You're listening to Red Nation Online. Last year at this time, they conceded 11 goals in five games. This is out the door, and sneaking through it, a chance into the net, and guess who? Sebastian Dravinko. And just like that, Toronto is open. Saturday, April 16th, it's Julian Zadarozny, I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from the Football Factory in Toronto FC's Opening eight games goal, clinching 1-0 win over DC United. It was a don't-blink start to the match that saw the Reds through for all three points. As we discuss the summary of no complaints with a side of how bad are DC United. Regardless, it was a team effort where once again we highlight the play of Clint Irwin and Michael Bradley, look at Bill Manning's halftime interview, and continue the discussion of MLS refereeing. All that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. It wouldn't be a Zadarazna. Saturday Night Live, 1989, Tom Hanks. You even know the year? Aerosmith. I don't remember the date, because that would be weird. I know the year. <laughs> I had, I had so many, you know, I had so many great ways to start this podcast off. And you've forgotten them already? Remember we were talking about that? You, you, you I mean, warned we said, me. Don't say anything. Don't say anything, because you'll burst the bubble. Yeah, because you got you to gotta spill it out all on the podcast. And then I said, "What can we complain?" We, well, well, okay. Let's let's start with something. Like, like pros. Um, let's start with something generic. Just uh, yeah, right. overall an overarching thoughts of the game. Uh huh. Okay. Or of the result. Oh, here's here's one we can start. Tr- who would have thought? Toronto FC, the winning team in Toronto <laughs> today. Yes, today of all days, playoffs of uh, the NBA start. The uh, Pacers beat the Raptors. And you want to find a winner in this city? You're going to BMO. <laughs> Well, yeah, you go, they played away. Yeah. It was DC United. I know, I know what I'm saying. That's their home field. That's, that's, yes, that's BMO right. Is that's right. Yes, you go to BMO. Yes, exactly. You go to BMO. Sorry. Yes, you absolutely do. Yeah, they won today out of all the three teams that played today, which is good, I think. But they played DC United. So what can we take we, well, from we that? Can, we can, we have, there's a lot we can take and discuss from that. But all I think right. uh, overall, I think uh, I think it was a good result. I yes. think I think I mean any almost at any point you can't say it was lucky. No. Um, and I think you can say that uh, early on in the season we, we've reached we've reached Bill Manning's goal of eight points <laughs> in the first eight games. That's right. He was. That's very, a positive. Very good. And you know it's just any I would say road wins in MLS are their gold. Right. Uh, any way you can get it, take it. Mm-hmm. The only uh, flip side to that coin is. Is that we have yet to see Toronto State home, and for maybe the last, I would say four, no, I would say more than that, maybe five years, five or six years, Toronto, ha- you know, BMO Field has not been really a huge home field advantage for Toronto no. FC, and I even think to last year was our home opener we lost to right. Houston. So there's no guarantees, um, but it is important I think that we start piling up points and now looking ahead, which we will further on the podcast, but initially. Uh, you look at Montreal and Portland coming up, but especially Portland off to such a poor start, you start saying to yourself, geez, we could we could maybe end up be anywhere from 10 to 11 points before we get back to BMO Field, which would be 
Huge. Ideal. Huge. Yeah. Uh, in the big picture of this season, because an MLS season has lots of ups and downs, lots of stops and starts. Uh, you know, your players come and go with things like uh, Copas this year, right. uh, Euros this year, if Jovinko uh, gets called up, stuff like that. So to get these points now uh, is a great thing. And so we look here at uh, our opponent, DC United. United yeah. A lot going on with that club. You can almost, I can almost say it for a lo- so many teams in this league, but I guess with all the expansion that's gone on, mm-hmm. you do look at some of those teams that when Toronto first came in, where you were up against Chicago and, and uh, DC United, uh, especially, and even KC, and think of them as sort of maybe like your, or in Columbus too, as your original rivals. Right, right. And I kind of put DC in that category, I guess, Absolutely. just because we've played them so many times. For so many years, we had a lot of a lot of trouble playing at uh, RFK Stadium. Well, they won the last game in RFK Stadium, so last so far so good. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that was definitely something that you could take as a as a precedent mm-hmm. going into this game. Is that you know last year we went into DC, and at that point in the season, DC was very looking very good, and they have an interesting team, and or, or probably had more so last year than this year. But uh, definitely some players that are you know good MLS players, uh, veteran MLS players with a lot of experience in the league. And last year we went in there and won two one two goals from Sebastian Jovinko. Yeah. You know this year we come into it and DC is not looking as good as they might have over the last couple of years. Even when you look at last weekend's result against Vancouver, Vancouver is missing a lot of key players. So there is there was something to not. Caution looking at it, because you saw Espindola get a brace, uh, Saborio get a brace, and you know that like uh, those are sort of tricky, tricky technical players that could mm-hmm. possibly cause us trouble. Electric However, players. Electric. Electric. That was the word they used. Was, uh, <laughs> who was it, Acosta? Was that his Acosta, name? Yeah, Acosta. Electric. He's electric. And then he kicks it. I guess, kicks it. a field goal. <laughs> the far the, left. It's like, it's not the football stadium anymore, no, buddy. No. We're, on, we're on a soccer pitch. <laughs> You know, that's sort of maybe a bit of a bit of the backstory about uh, this game. And I think when I was looking at this this fixture, you know, Toronto coming out of New England, not necessarily a great game and one where I thought there was potential, more potential for points there. But, you know, coming off of the draw, you can't complain too much. But I think this one, D.C., was a bigger opportunity for all three points. And, you know, when you look at that starting lineup, I think most people would have circled or highlighted the fact that now we have... Altidore and Javinko starting back-to-back games the first two times of this year. Hoping for a little more cohesion between these two guys. Uh, you look through the midfield, Bradley, Will Johnson, Osorio, Delgado. Whether you want to say Sheru should be in there or not, I think that is the midfield that we're going to be looking at for the most part. And the only difference on the back line was um, Williams coming in for, for Perky. Right. I think that's, I mean, that's more or less our, our starting eleven. And I think against a team like DC, when you broke it down, it is a game that you said to yourself, "Yeah, we should, you know, we should get three points out of this." And I think anything less, I think anything less would have been would have been disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the the main point I want to make is that I think we mentioned that while we were watching the game is how aggressive they were playing, and I think you need that on the road. You need that kind of aggression. I didn't see that against New England. I didn't see a lot of uh, Will Johnson. You know, a lot of complaining, a lot of. Punches thrown, elbows thrown. Fist curled. Fist curled, ready to go. And it, that's good. You need that on the road. You need to fight, even though DC United is not. And I, we mentioned it before, and, you know, it's not the best team, even though they're coming off a huge win against Vancouver. I thought that 
the best way to go into this game was to have a fighting eye mentality, and they certainly had it. And the fact, and and you know, I mean, we could start off by saying, you know, it, it, they scored the goal in the first minute, the fastest goal in uh, Toronto, Toronto FC history, Jovinko. So another another notch on his uh, belt. So and he's breaking records and and taking names. So I mean, but then they sat on it, and I thought for sure they would score another two, but it didn't work out that way, you know. Uh, you know, the first 10 minutes, it, it was all TFC, and then just sort of allowed the allowed DC United to press. Um, and I guess a better squad, maybe maybe they wouldn't have had the three points. But they were really aggressive, and, you know, there were no real cheap shots or dives or anything like that. Jovinko and Altador, I think, were cohesive. Um, I thought that, I think you're going to see that. I think you mentioned with Jovinko going, perhaps, potentially, uh, Conte calling him up to the national team. You may see um, Altador playing alone. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But you get that team cohesive now and the potential of one guy gone for a couple months or whatever it is. Or a month probably. Or a month or so. Yeah, yeah a month or so. It's a longer tournament this year, but is there's potential that, that he could lose him. So, you know, you play them together. And I think, and, and Altador needs the time. I mean, he's rusty still. Even even yeah. to this point, he still looks really rusty. You know, wayward passes, um, inability off the ball, on the ball. I mean, I, but I didn't think he was the worst. I don't think there was a worse. To be yeah. honest, I don't think there was a worse today. I thought they played well all the way through. from the minute of that goal, and I guess not to jump ahead or anything, but from the minute of that goal, they were a cohesive squad. Yeah, you know, and you know what the you know what I think if we reround this and start it again, I think the thing that we both said was like there's not a lot to complain about. No, not, if, no. if you wanted to summarize, and this I game, looked. Oh, I looked. I love criticizing this team sometimes, but honestly, I, I I couldn't find it. Yeah, you know, there's two things that off of what you said that I'll just. I'll piggyback off mm-hmm. of is, uh, you know, the first one is, you know, wh- however you want to categorize DC United as, as an opponent, I still would say, you know, except for the, the most god-awful teams in this league, playing on the road, the home, I mean, the home team regard, always has the advantage. Mm-hmm. So, to, so to get a win away, I think is always, you know, it's worth its weight in gold. And so that's something I think to consider. And then the other thing I was, uh, you know, getting in the, reeling back the time machine and trying to remember it's if anyone's got the same memory as me am i thinking i don't know if i'm thinking 2008 or i'm thinking 2009 but i think it's 2008 okay where danny dicchio scored a goal within the first five minutes oh yeah that's right at bmo field <laughs> for, an imp- for a one nil win yeah. over dc united dc united so uh, I, I, i'm tr- i'm trying to remember this game and i think that was it at home is that yeah. the one he curled no it was oh, a okay. shitty like i think it was just like a shitty kind of very uh like he battled the guy and it just kind of squibbed over oh the line. yeah i remember i remember i remember i remember yeah 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 and that was the game one nil win you can one nil is not bad i mean obviously you know but again see that if i have to i suppose if i have to be negative about something if, if they were playing a better squad right now maybe that one nil isn't enough and to score early is not always the best thing Right, you know, you have a, another 80 minutes to go, whatever it was, um, to try to score another goal. And to me, I, I would have wanted them to score another goal for sure, yeah. just to solidify that. And they did have some, they had some trouble scoring that other goal. I thought they did. Um, you know, Jovinko and Altidore weren't. There were, the cohesion wasn't there. And I think you mentioned that Jovinko is a flair player, and then Altidore really is not a flair. You know, he I tend to, he tends to kind of walk around a little bit. But you know, I think one nil is fine. But against East United, that's Acceptable. It's acceptable. Yeah. And I think the concern in a game like that is maybe what I would, if I draw my usual metaphor, is that, you know, it's 
you knock a guy, you knock a guy down in the first round, mm-hmm. you can still lose the game. You can still right. lose on points, right? right? Uh, or, or there's plenty of time for someone to come back. Uh, but if we roll into the actual action in the game, don't have to go very far. One minute in, and I think that I can't remember what they said for the all-time quickest goals, but I think Matias Lava had one of them. Yeah, he mentioned Matias Lava. And we talked about that one last week, actually. Oh, did that you? That goal. Oh, yeah, it was against yeah. New England. New England, yeah. When he picked it, and I re-watched it, because I, when, I, when I tried to remember it, I thought he picked it up closer to our 18-yard box, but I think he dispossessed someone closer to the half, carried it all the way in, struck it, def- I think it deflected off a player, and then he followed up and strike, struck it home. <laughs> oh. I liked. I really liked Matias Lava when he played for us. But this, this, the start of this game. You know, the one thing I was pretty positive about the is the manner of the goal and how everyone pulled together on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We see this long ball come over the top, and out the door is, is fighting for position. I I think they said that it was him, but I, to me it looked like it just was. He got position on the defender, and the defender couldn't get a clean header on it, and the header and the defender knocks it onto the path of Osorio who puts a smart ball sort of like straight ahead into space for Altador to run onto. Altador latches onto that, crosses it in. Delgado's coming in far post, slides in, and it lands. The The slide knocks the ball onto the path of Jovinko, who just has to... He's just standing there. Tap it in, yeah. Slot at home, and we're up 1-0, and it was like that was... What was a positive in that was how four players got involved in that goal. And that's what I think up until this point even last week to a degree, has been what's lacking from this team, is various players pulling their weight to get that goal, other than Jovinko dodging and weaving and dribbling around players to either score for himself or to cross it into his teammate. That's just not, I just don't feel like that's going to be sustainable for this team. So to see some see a player like that, I find is encouraging. And even when, you, when I talked about last week's game, to see Altador, you know, run onto that long ball, latch it, lay it off, that's more encouraging than I, and I feel like the earlier goals in the year where it really was either Jovinko scoring or Jovinko setting up an assist. I, at that moment, I, th- I wanted him to shoot. I wanted Altador to shoot. When he passed, I thought it was a weak pass, and I thought that's not going to go in there. When they scored, I thought that was actually a fluke. And I only reason, and, and we didn't see, you mentioned the, four, the, four, uh, the forwards moving up, um, and I don't think we saw that again in the rest of the game, did we? Not very like, much. That was almost an anomaly. Because um, Jovinko has the foresight to move forward, you know, and Altador had the foresight to pass, but I still think he should have shot. I think you should take your chances more. It went in, they scored a goal, but after that, you never saw that unity again. I didn't think you saw that unity uh, Well, again. I think maybe on that Will Johnson chance on the end, right? You saw oh, three yes. or four guys. There were a couple towards the very, very end of the game, um, but not, which I guess is like, there's your bookends, I suppose. Right. But. I mean, that, that might have just been the ebb and the flow of the match because after, as you... Right, right, that's are, what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, maybe it was that moment, that moment where everybody, everything was in sync and they were able to, everybody was forward. And that, I mean, it was perfect timing for Jovinko to be in there in space. And you mentioned that the defender was looking around. He didn't see him go behind him. He just, he just, did it. I don't think anybody expected Jovinko to move. I mean, though, even though he's the, he's one of the main strikers. Yeah, I didn't know if that was Boswell or Birnbaum, uh, who, who was the defender who had his back turned. Yeah. He just the ball went past him, and he didn't he didn't see that Jovinko was there, and that was a mistake. And the I think it was DeVos probably made a comment that last week because I think DeVos and Wildman did the Vancouver game mm-hmm. and said what a what a good game he had. And you know Birnbaum is a player who was I think they said it was a number two pick overall. If I'm if I remember correctly, I think he was at California, and uh, along with Christian Dean. Mm-hmm. 
Birnbaum and Dean, if I'm if my memory is serving me correctly, were the two guys, and they were sort of these stud defenders right. in the draft a couple of years ago. And uh, you know, Birnbaum looked pretty good and was uh, has been okay for DC since he's been drafted. So he did. If that was him, <laughs> I've just made this whole segue that may or may not have any point. <laughs> Anyways, um, but you know, you alluded to this, that after that goal, and I think if you if we like look through the rest of this half, I mean. Toronto rarely had... Toronto had possession in D.C.'s half. It was very quick. You know what I mean? They got up there fast, and then it came back right back right. to our side. And D.C. did a good job keeping them... I think they did a really good job keeping them from score, trying to score another goal. I mean, they really did a good job unifying, and, you know, the defense was really very good at, at clearing the ball, getting the ball back, especially, and then, you know... And especially working the wings, and we'll talk about defense in a bit, but um, to your point, you know, it was very little... Uh, Toronto attack after and I think there was almost a moment where they just felt that they were going to just sit back for a little bit and take in that pressure and just allow DC to come in which is dangerous but then I goes back to my point of well it's DC United maybe they felt that they could do it and not have to worry about in, like not like LA or something like that with someone like a, a major striker or yeah and because there was the something about especially in the first half I think we had the discussion at the halftime and you know there were certain plays you know the 10 minute mark that throw in that came in that it looked right the, the first two there was a DC player on the TFC player where it looked like you thought they were going to engage that ball, and both of them missed it, and it landed right well, on nobody, the Nobody, Nobody even went for the ball. It, liter- it literally hit the ground. It hit the pitch and bounced. I mean, this is where, that's when I got worried, because if you got basically three guys looking and go, he's going to get it, he's going to get it, he's going to get it, and nobody gets it. And to be honest, in that situation, my personal opinion is that it's Irwin's ball. Every ball that goes in there is your ball in that box. Yeah. You're the goalie. That's yeah. your shit. That's what you deal with. And he didn't do it. So he dropped the Demera point for me in that point. However. It's tricky on a throw-in. Right. It's tricky on the throw-in, but I... It's not the same as a cross. What? It's not, it's it's, not the same as a, as a... The ball is still in flight. Cross or whatever, that ball is yours no matter what. I, you can make all the excuses you want of the fact that everybody dropped, literally fell asleep and ball watched, in and including the DC United player, who I'm sure assumed that somebody was going to go for the ball. It's, it landed on his foot, pretty much. No, that was unacceptable. Zero, on a, I can't. Cross or kick, it doesn't matter. That's your ball, no matter what. You're defending. That could have been a goal. That could have... Oh, well, yes, I don't, I don't disagree. It could have been a goal. But it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, and uh, you know that was around Lucky. the point. That was that was around the point of the game where I think DC looked to be a lot more in control. They weren't getting too many really good chances on net, but they were getting corners. They were getting their opportunities. Too much so. Yeah, it, I mean, the, mo- the majority of the play was in TFC's mm-hmm. half, and but there was some moments where <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this down. Something must have happened. At, oh, the 29th minute. Maybe it was the play where uh, Moro. Body check the guy over the boards because <laughs> I put in, I put an exclamation I put grit because <laughs> the ball well, grit we go back to <laughs> his, his his analytics are like marking the the, the grit column Ooh. check 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 I've never seen so, him so aggressive I mean that was the, he didn't even have to do Martin didn't have to do any of that the ball had already crossed the line he had there was no reason for him to check him like that but there he, was two plays I did that yeah that's true Beta Shore didn't Beta Shore yeah. check that guy in the second half yeah 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 Moros was a little bit closer a little closer but he he was like this he was like yeah. <laughs> his back um, and then I marked it th- and the 30th minute was the the one probably real test for Clint Irwin where he made a really good save that was the that was the save of the night for him because he yeah. really didn't have much he didn't have much trouble no honestly he had he had and you know it was it's a kind of thing where it's like. I think from an MLS perspective, this is something you talk about it more. Oh. Well, 
Yeah. No, you no, know, go ahead. Well, I'm saying like, you know, crosses in, it, you know, it, um, right. controlling the area is something right. that, you know, MLS keepers are not, they're not on par with, no. with the European leagues that we no. follow, right? No. So to see, there was still things that Irwin had to take care of through the game. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have, um, you know, he didn't have to make any diving saves or really have not to, really. and from a save perspective, but he still had a lot of work to do, I think, on this game okay. after that save. Okay, yeah, I agree with you that that point. But I mean, really, I mean, okay, we can talk about. Let's talk about DC United's ability to not score a goal. I mean, they really had they had very good chances, um, especially in the first half because they really put down on the pressure. And Irwin had a lot of. Um, I mean, his positioning was good. He made it that. When was that that save? Thirtieth minute. Thirtieth minute. So the first half was really all 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 D. Um, and even guys like Bradley were, were coming back. And I think we were talking about, I think before the game, we had mentioned Bradley, who's basically, who basically played fullback. He played almost straight. Sweeper. sweeper. He, was like, he was like the pure sweeper almost. You know, he was, he was literally on one invisible line, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember I mentioned to you, I said, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Good because he's doing the work. Because I think it's important. I think that's Bradley's strong point. Is that he's able to do everything, and you know he's able. He's you know he has you know have gun will travel. You can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Is it bad because the defense is so terrible? I mean, is it are they not as good? And he need we need the extra body because you had Altidore back there for a little bit as well. So actually, I think in the first half you had a lot, and, and it carried on to the second half. Bradley and Altidore really doing a lot of work in the back end to try to prevent DC United from scoring another goal or a goal at all. Right. So I mean, are you saying like is that a problem? Is that not a yes. problem? I mean, if you're up one nil. Yeah, but it's only one goal, and you scored in the first minute of the game. Yeah. Do you hold up like that? Do you, you allow DC United I to make a— Even to, Va- Greg, even Vanny, in, in the, uh, in, I think, in the I half, think, I think even you, said the same thing. They allowed the yeah, ball you, too much. Don't you expect your players to work like that? You, know, you, expect, you don't expect your, your, your striker to be sitting at the half and then just no. waiting for something to come up his way. He's got work to do too, right? So that for them to come back and pitch in— Right, but my my my— to me, that stuff should be happening in the last 20 minutes of the game, not in the first 15 minutes of the game after you score a goal, which inherently, now as I keep talking to it, it almost feels like a fluke. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're just, you're just talking to yourself <laughs> over that point. Give it a break. Okay, so hold on. Here's the thing. Here's the one thing I wanted to, I want to wrap out that first half because I want to talk about the defense. I want to mention okay. one and it's and it, We could say it on the first half, but it's something I could say in the whole scheme of the game where I do feel like... In this game, you know, I made the comment saying whatever DC was bringing to the table, I was there was few, if any, points where I actually felt panicked no, for the yeah, situation. Good point. You know, in years past, we've seen similar play. You know, games where we've been up or or games where we've been trying to soak up pressure. You know, you're just thinking to yourself, this backline's a fucking calamity. Yeah. You know, it's just it's we're just getting lucky, time and time again. It's just luck that they haven't scored yet. I didn't really feel. There was too many situations that you're like, well, fuck, we were really lucky on that one. Only the throw-in, maybe you could say, we got lucky on that one. Uh, the rest of it, I thought the players actually played pretty good, right? Like, Betashore had a pretty good game, and, and even Williams and Moore in the middle there played a good game. Moore played. And then we talk about Bradley, and played a, he played a good game. Probably the best game he's played so far this season. Yeah, I might, I might, I might agree. Uh, I think so. I think he was very, I mean, he made, I, you, I, I criticized Bradley because he coughed up a ball, he lost the ball at his feet, and the guy put pressure on him, uh, and, you, and you said, you said, you know, better to lose it in the midfield than lose it at your end, and I, that's a good point, I, you know, I, 
I think all in all, I mean, out of ten, I think he had an eight. I think he played, he played the best game he did. I, I think just because the funny thing is, I think if I'm not mistaken, I feel like there was a play last year where Bradley turned the ball over in our 18 yard box. Yeah, probably. Where he was being cute with the ball, and right. it's like, I'd rather him make an errant pass way upfield with players back. There's right? a sense like, of I'm, not, I'm just I don't I'm just agree that's that's a negative, but I'm just right. gonna say. Well, there's a sense of maturity in this now. I, you know, he's got the captain's armband. He still has it. And he's really doing... I think in this game, he solidified his captaincy. I think he really did a good job administrating, administering and, and being the boss. I think he dictated a lot in that midfield and the back line. I think he did a good job doing that. Um, albeit any criticism I may have of the fact that he has to play so, so deep. But in the end, I, I think he did the... He was probably one of the top players of... of of the game simply because he did all that because he he earned his captaincy that day. Yeah. Well, do Pretty you want to? Let's do at the half. Do you want to do this sidebar about Bradley and where he plays? You know, we when we watched the Colorado game, we kind of got into it, but it was <laughs> that was a game. There was two things where a it was such a shit show getting to watch the game, and then b I'm always a little self conscious when we're in the like a bar and it's so loud. Right. That um, I'm actually th- like I don't know if a listener really is how closely they're into the discussion when there's just so much background noise. Right, so, right, of course. And we kind of talked about it a little bit, and, and that's what you were sort of saying at the half. You're saying, you know, you're asking, you know, does he really need to play so deep? And you've already touched on that saying, Does mm-hmm. do we need that guy? Is our back line looking good because he's playing so deep? And is that a positive or negative? Mm-hmm. You know, my thoughts are, I'm maybe not seeing it until now, but maybe that's why we made that move for Will Johnson, is that... Will Johnson is the guy that now can push. Or, like I've said, I've noticed in the beginning of the season is that Bradley and Johnson were capable of trading off. Instances where Bradley felt the need to push forward, Johnson can drop back and has the skill set to play back. Whereas, and then you can flip it around, where Bradley can play that sort of extra player there to help that back line. Mm -hmm. And Will Johnson does have the skill set as well to contribute offensively. That's one of the reasons why I'm not aggrieved or where he's positioned and I do think when we look at TFC's defense uh, I think they I think they need that kind of player in, in front of the back line that's just I guess you I don't know if you call that your what is it like your Makaleli kind of guy right, that right, just right. Is, is there cleaning up everything and just being that workhorse in front of the back mm-hmm. line so I mean does he have to place does he need to play so deep I would be wary of what might happen if we let him do what he did right. last but year but there were no gaffes like that, and that's the thing we did. There were no gaffes back there. Not like we've seen the last couple of years, where it's like, "Holy moly, you got to be kidding me!" Kind of moments. No, no, no. And I, I think that's why I said he dictated. He really did a good job dictating. And even, even like in his his foresight in in the end of the or mid of the second half. I mean, he set up a couple of plays there. I mean, he played the left. He outed or came into the center. Jovin came into the center. Do you remember that? And he he really did a good job. And he and you yelled. He's like, he's doing it all. He's doing it all. <laughs> and he is. He was doing it all. He was really yeah, somewhat facetiously. <laughs> I say, oh, really? If people were in the pub in the in the football factory. I say, well, you. I'm yelling at everything, yeah, kind yeah, of like with a tongue in cheek. I know. I'm just. Yeah, but he was doing it all. He was doing a good job. I you know, and I I think that's we can take away from that. But the thing is, he's not going to do that every weekend. That's that's my worry. Is that we? I think we've seen. Flashes of a TFC that can sit on a goal and win with strength. And I don't know if we'll see that against Montreal. I don't know. I mean, because it's mean highs and lows so far. And, it, and it, there are plenty. I would road. say no. Yeah. I don't, let me just say this before. We, this kind of game, I don't think will yield points against Montreal. No. And yeah, right. At best, it'll yield one point. It will not, I don't, it will not yield a win. 
If Drogba's out there, Didier. if Drogba's out there, Piatti's out there, and Montreal's playing like they have, I mean, today they won, uh, and they're scoring goals from distance and stuff like that, right? So they're scoring from all over the place. That's going to be, Montreal's going to be really tough for us next week, and I would not be banking on a win uh, no. for that game. So to answer that, but, the, you know, it kind of circles back to you have to do what you have to do with the opponent you're facing. But all in all, we have three points. And that's really what's important. Every game has to be a win. And I, th- I think this road trip has been, it hasn't been, you know, abysmal. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's maybe segue also into smoke and mirrors. Oh, okay, let's do that. Bill Manning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your hero. <laughs> Bill Manning at the halftime show. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give, give the gears too much. However, no, no. Uh, whenever you see, uh, you know, the, the talking heads from the club, you, I kind of roll my eyes and mm-hmm. I say, what? hyperbole and bullshit is he gonna say yeah you know i mean the questions weren't he wasn't they weren't getting pushed too hard but i guess devos asked him you know the key ones in terms of what he thinks so far now we're on eight points out of eight out of the the first six so they've reached that goal maybe it's fair to give it a because when he said that i remember hearing that uh, at the start of the year i honestly thought that was actually pretty low expectations mm-hmm. um, oh really yeah you looked at the opposition, and I, you kind of thought, you know, there could be three wins out of that. Mm-hmm. And if you play good against, you know, a tough team, you can find ways to get a point. But I think that maybe that's maybe I give a tip of the hat to Manning for putting out modest expectations for the start oh, of the and year, not and and not, right, right, you know what I mean? Because this, if there's anything that Toronto FC is good at, it's it's bullshit hype. Well, that's the way it always should have been. It should have been. You should be humble. You should be modest to what you want. That's a good point. You can't go up there and say, yeah, we got it. We want it. Start the parade. You know, get the parade route out. Like, no, 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 no. You can't. And then you come out with the squads that you've had in the last two, three years. No, no, that's not, that's not, that's not being honest. And I think he's being honest. He's like, he's like, he says, I'm happy. I'm not ecstatic. It's not exactly where we want to be. But I think we're, we're, we're on a good stretch. I think we're doing okay. And I think... We can agree with that. I think we can say that they're on a good stretch. You know, how many more games do they have on the road? Two. We got Montreal. Portland, we got Montreal. Portland. Montreal. Let's. I mean, let's say it like this. Montreal is probably going to be a very tough game, and if we're honest, probably a loss. And Portland, yep. however, is playing very poorly right now. That should be. That game should be. We should be targeting that for a win because our home opener is against Dallas, and they're looking hot shit oh, yeah, right yeah. now. This is a podcast we recorded before I think they play, so that could change. But as of now, they're looking really good. So between Portland away and FC Dallas, I would be looking at Portland to try to 100% get three points and then use that as the fuel for the confidence to come home and take care of Dallas. I, I'd be content with... Well, even if we, even at that point we're at nine. Let's say we right. drew Portland. We, but the next two games, I mean, you're not going to get six points. I don't think so. But if you get what? I mean, I, th- I think they can beat Montreal. I, I mean, think they can too. I think they know. can too. But but playing in Portland is tough because it's a good atmosphere and it's it's you know they have the you know they really do have a good fan base. So mm-hmm. it might be difficult to play in that stadium. Yeah. And if we just we're, you know we're going into the second half and maybe the only thing I would say in the second half is we saw Greg Vanny say, you know his only comment out of that first half was saying we need to engage them further up the field. Right. And I think the second half was a little more balanced. In terms of where the play took place, uh, we didn't. I, I didn't feel that we saw the exact same second half or as the first half. Right. Toronto did have a few more chances pushing upfield and, and working it in DC's end of the half. I thought, and and then if right up until 
the only real notes that I have are when Beta Shore absolutely annihilated Nierko into the fours. Yeah. I got I got a laugh <laughs> out of that. And then when we when we got into the added time, you know, there was a play with uh, Jovinko who lays it off to Osorio, who I really hoped at that I was hoping he was going to try to work his way to get we a shot. Have, we didn't talk about anything about Osorio. We can still talk about. Osorio. What do you think? I think he's fine, man. Yeah, I think he's doing okay. I, I think he's fine. There's there's been some chatter, you know, I see online of people asking, you know, is he getting better? Is he is he you know falling off, et cetera, et cetera? And I just I think one of the unfortunate things about Osorio is that unfortunately, I mean, he's he's a bit down the pecking order mm-hmm. in terms of who who your who the main man is right. uh, in the in the midfield, and you know, he's not he's just he's just not going to get those. He's going to get the opportunities, but I think. If he hogs the ball and tries to make it happen himself, <laughs> Jovinko's going to say, what the yeah, fuck what are you the doing? Out the door is going to say, and Bra- like all, so I think it's a too bad because when people ask, you know, where he where he is or how he's played, I really always point back to that last the, the playoff clinching game against the Red Bulls mm-hmm. when Bradley wasn't there and Osorio was in the center of the field. That was one of the I think that was probably one of the best games I've ever seen mm-hmm. him play. He was just so composed. To me, that affirmed that he ha- like he does have it, if it's if it's required of him. Right. So I'm just hoping that at some point in the next few years, his his role is more more has more importance to it right. than what we see now of just sort of being like a supporting cast mm-hmm. that he um, the development into you know the one of the star players in the midfield. I think that would be great for him. Or to let him go go somewhere else like Sam Croner or something like that yeah it's po- that's possible as well yeah. I guess you know and that's and that and that was the play of course and then Will Johnson ah <laughs> oh, dying for a Will Johnson goal I know and uh he just uh, didn't get enough on it to really test the keeper and 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 that winds down the clock in Toronto as we've you know touched on several times comes away with uh, all three points and as we leave this game you know there was one other thing you know you said you can't complain can't complain about much no. Really, on this, on this, on this match, and you know, we kind of framed the performance around you know what different opposition would bring and whatnot. But I think, you know, in the ninety minutes that we saw, there's not too much that you can gripe about, especially the referee. That was one that we talked about last week, and the, the referee was uh, it only had two professional He's games, Canadian, two from yeah. Quebec. And I think it's worth. If we get into our usual segment mm-hmm. that we've been doing for the first... I'm, I'm so surprised that this is actually held up <laughs> uh, for all these... This is the beginning of the year. The, the Dear Spark. Now, the email didn't actually start with that, so I'm a bit frustrated. <laughs> I thought, should I read it? Should I not read it? Okay, fine. I'll read it, even though I think it said, what's up, Ian, or something like that. But it was with regards to last week's podcast. We were talking about refereeing. We were talking mm-hmm. about the fouls that came on. Sheru, so I thought I'd read some of it. Uh, and this came from Marcus and... His comments when we, myself and JC, were talking about the fouls to Sheru, Toronto FC, the referees, and so forth. Uh, you know, he says, Sheru committed an, an atrocious foul for the first yellow. Uh, if he received a straight red, it would not have been a surprise except for how early it was in the game. And since that foul, we've seen uh, De Jong yeah, be, suspended, be suspended for, you know, a similar play. And then it says... And then he goes on to say, and this is all around the discussion we had in the last podcast, all studs of tackles are at least cautionable. You cannot show your studs to the opponent. You're approaching. A proper slide tackle does not involve showing your studs and therefore is not the same thing. You guys said studs are always showing on tackles. I don't know where you learned about technique, but that could explain the, the state of our soccer and that, but that's besides the point. 
Fair enough. However, I will say one thing. I don't think we were arguing that a, that a studs-up sliding tackle is not cautionable offense. I think we're just saying you see a lot of slide tackles where studs are showing, and those are not always a card. And the one the thing that I wanted to draw draw upon was there was now this was a card however in the portland the portland game from this week who i think it was dallas grab a boy had oh, yeah. the ball in possession and, I, and I, what i'm referencing back to is the lab arrest straight red mm-hmm. and it was pretty similar where the grab a boy i think had the ball and he knocked it ahead and then he slid in two-footed to, to ta- get the ball and he planted his foot on the knee of the dallas player really yellow card Yellow card because the tackle didn't come in with force. He kind of was like, it wasn't like he went through the player. He kind of like finished at him. The guy went down. He was very, he was very sad about the whole situation and holding his knee, et cetera, et cetera. But you could, you know, upon the replays, you could clearly see that it wasn't a forceful tackle mm-hmm. despite that. So that's kind of the thing that, I mean, the, the discussion about refereeing and, and what kind of calls you make. It's something that we can have every single week, of course. right? And it's something where everyone's going to have a different view. And someone like Marcus, who wrote in, who has a background in refereeing, I think will will have a diff- completely different lens and probably a more correct one than one we see it. But I, I still, you know, will will put out my thoughts that you know there are there's discretion on certain calls. And you know, in that in that email, we went on to talk about you know Sheru's second yellow. I felt like there. The way that play unfolded, there was discretion in that where it shouldn't have been one. Um, but then he he goes on to say, which oh he does, you know he says, uh, you know I do think you're right that Shiro didn't make enough contact to warrant the yellow, but he shouldn't have gone up the way he did, and it was totally embellishment. But the ref is watching it in real time. Fair enough. Uh, and then he goes on with an extra one that was I thought was pretty funny. TFC aren't free of the extra show. I was not sure if you noticed, but Jovinka has been doing a lot more rolling around in order to draw the cards, you know, including his toe being stepped on. And I would say last week, <laughs> it made me laugh, and you're slightly embarrassed. I don't know if you remember when he had that goal-scoring chance in the right. 18-yard box. Oh, yeah, I remember. And he, and he flopped on his stomach, <laughs> yeah, and he yeah, did, like, yeah, the yeah, belly yeah. flop. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And you're thinking, take it, take it down a notch. Yeah, but take that's notch. just the that's way. That's the Italian. Yeah, that's the, the Italian it- in him. Yeah, that's the Italian in you, him. Why'd you roll your eyes? Because it's the, it's, it's a cliche. It's the the Portuguese do it the best. The Italians <laughs> invented it. The Portuguese have them. They're like a master class in it. Yeah, but the people do that. If you're going to try to get a foul, sure. But that's the point of the referee. He's going to try. Is he, he, the referee's going to try to minimize that. And he should, if if the referee thought he was embellishing or he was you know faked it, then he should have gotten a card, right? You get a card for that stuff. A lot of refs don't give cards for that. No. And as far as like hard tackles and such like that, they, sometimes I've seen guys with studs up that go hard. They get the ball and the ref sees that and he doesn't call. I mean, if there's intent, as you mentioned, if there's intent, then you know, then the card should be should be dealt. I mean, that's my opinion. So. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, the two things, or the one thing I think I definitely wanted to, to note on that, of course, is in that halftime conversation with uh, Manning, it was kind of it was interesting to hear. Jason DeVos make the comment saying, you know, do you prefer these games that are sort of ruled with iron fist or do you like some things a little more open-ended? Right. And he was kind of smiled yeah. because he knows that the league wants them to sit, to be in line. Right. But Manning's not going to be a total league homer right, right. and say, <laughs> and say uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, we want this to be whatever. He says, you know, I, no, I do like a game flow. that has, wants, has, has more flow. flow to it. And the referee makes calls based on discretion. 
But then he did also have the little caveat saying, there's always going to be bad calls, really bad calls. But in MLS, it does seem to even out. And I think that is, you know, there's games where Toronto FC has had just atrocious referees. You know, we've seen Michael Bradley and Gantar, for example, right. where we've just been annihilated. Right. But, you know, if, if there are games on the flip side where we get a lot of good calls our way and whatnot. So I think, I think that's probably fair comment that, uh, you know, you can't go, you can't, I mean, we can talk about the referees as we do because it's part of the game. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I do want to put the disclaimer or the asterisk next to saying, you know, I don't want it to be like, oh, we're being, we're so hard done by right. in Toronto that we're getting shit on. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah, wah. That's not, that's not the point. It's more, this is the discussion of the game in hand. The referee does the best he, the best he can. And in and, and the instance, like even today, we, there was a point made, the fact that Voss mentioned, uh, albeit briefly, when uh, Javinko claimed the handball. And the referee was nowhere near the play. He was like practically in midfield. So how could he see that, right? So you have instances like that, and he's only been a ref for how long? Not very long. This is his second. second. Sorry, he's two pro games, I think, before right. this. Right. So, I mean, there's a learning curve, and there's, you know, and he should have been closer, I think, to that to that play. He should be following it. But, I mean, some things are forgivable. I mean, the, the, the best referee is the referee you never see, right? He, he, he calls the plays that need to be called, and he doesn't. But that's not perfect. You know, remember, it has something to do with the fact that you are still a person and you're seeing something that you think as a judgment call, right? It's not gonna, it's not gonna be the. No, not everybody's gonna be agreeing with that play. Yeah. So it's it's not an easy job to do. I don't envy it. Yeah. And oh, and this was a great. This was a good line from Marcus. Uh, players have to play better than the refs. Ref. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, that's and a fact. it's you know that's you can't you can't look at a game at the end of it and and be bitching about the ref when at the the truth is you have to look at yourself or the, right. or the players have to look at themselves and say. This matches the, the. It's in my hands. A lot of things that can happen in this game. So, uh, you know, there are there are instances where you can really feel aggrieved. But for the most part, I think you have to say to yourself, you know, what did we do right. to to make this game go in our favor? And the last thing I wanted to, to as a little side note, uh, with talking about refs, is there was a great article this week that came out in Vice mm-hmm. Sports, where, and I don't know if that was just a coincidence, the timing of this, but they had someone kind of on the inside. Uh, of the pro meetings or conferences or sort of like, I don't know how often they do them, but there was someone on the inside where they were having these meetings where the referees all get together, they review plays. You know, they had, they went through, they sort of walked through this this part of the meeting where the referee and who was, they were watching video, the referee was in the room and they said, is that a, and it wasn't a penalty in the game. And then he asked the guy, mm-hmm. Was that a penalty? And he said, yeah, it was. No. He admitted it after seeing it from a different angle. And they sort of walked through, you know, what did you, wh- why did you call it like that? Um, what can you do better? And it's, uh, they, you know, they're talking about the head. Oh, shoot, I always forget his name. I think I called him last week, Mark Watson, who is a Canadian guy. <laughs> I think the guy's name's Walton. Anyways, it was interesting, but it was interesting to sort of find out that pro, you know, really only came in in 2012. Right. To, and, and has putting forth this kind of, you know, very, you know, they're putting forth like a very aggressive initiative to improve the refereeing in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's only been going on for four seasons now. Right, right. And then you, now you ask yourself, as people have been following Trump season 2007, being like, oh, my God, like this is what was going on all yeah. that time. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, they, they talked with Toledo, who was saying how before they would maybe meet twice a year. And he was saying the one, you'd meet one time of the year and they would say this is this is a red card and then they meet the second time and they'd be like that's not a red card. That completely mixed messages. 
And it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, I think, when you hear something like that as someone who's obviously been so invested in the league for since Toronto came in, to hear that that's the way that they approached the referees. Right. Maybe, you know, it's a, it's a, I guess it's somewhat heartening to hear that they're really making this kind of effort to improve it, but it's still, I still think it's a yet to be seen how much impact it's made mm-hmm. because we're still talking about the referees, obviously. Right. And you're always going to talk about the referees. In, in any league you ever talk about the referees in Brazil they you know they fight them on the middle of the pitch I mean it's it's not, it's not perfect you know and it never will be perfect but you want to try to have a semblance of responsibility on their part and on the players part and uh, professionalism and I think you want them trained and you want them to make the ju- best call they can but you're always going to have some guy getting a handball in the box and the ref's not going to see it or he's going to make a judgment call and where he's positioned where he's standing it's tough yeah it's not easy so uh, I think we're going to leave it at that, uh, Julian. Okay. Uh, we know we have next week Montreal. That's going to be a tough game. We've talked right. about that. Portland follows. Um, and then Dallas. And then we're, then we're home. And finally, we're home. I'm excited for that. Uh, what's the home game stretch? How many? I think we have four in a row. Good. Four in a row. Quite a, a bit of a jam. I think we have one a, a midweek game in there as well. 12 points right there. Yeah. Julian, people can get you at Andre's Twitter. Yeah, you <laughs> can call. Live. <laughs> you can contact my brother. I don't even know what that is, but um, what is this? A Kabuki Live. Kabuki Live. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. if you want to criticize me, please. He'll he'll be sure to text. And he'll he'll you. probably join in in, in yeah. that criticism. So and then of course you can get me at Clark RNO or email us at info or, or have your say at RedNationOnline.ca. You know, shout out. Thanks for the email, uh, Marcus. I, I, we say it at the end of every podcast. Like, if you agree, disagree, feel free to send it in. That's okay by me. Uh, I really think that that's, especially disagreement, is probably the best way that you gain knowledge in, in a lot of instances. So uh, I'm glad for those emails, and I'm glad for that email and discussion. So keep them coming. Uh, anything that we say in here, whether you agree or disagree, or any talking points you want us to touch on, let us know. We'll bring it up on the podcast. And we'll leave it at that uh, next week, Montreal, after that Portland. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Thanks a lot, Julian. You're welcome. We'll catch you guys next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter, at Red Nation Online, or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree. It doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online, from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.